Hi there, everybody. Welcome once again to Greenlight Reviews, where we talk about the movies. My name is Les Roberts. And I'm Ann Elder. Today, Anne, we're going to review a film with a lot of big stars mm-hmm. who are not quite as young as they used to be. <laughs> and then again, we aren't either. That's right. The film is called Red 2, and it stars Bruce Willis, mm-hmm. John Malkovich, right. and Helen Mirren as three retired CIA assassins is what they were. Operatives. Yes. And retired extremely dangerous. Absolutely. Is what red stands for. Yes. And two, because they did this kind of movie a couple of years earlier. Mm -hmm. In this particular one, they're all living very nice lives, I guess. Bruce Willis plays Frank Moses, as he did in the first installment. Mm -hmm. In this film, he is settled down with Mary Louise Parker, who plays Sarah. They were together in the first film also. They're living very, very nicely until they discover that there's a whole group of people out to kill them. And they have no idea why, but they're not going to sit around and take it. So they all take up their guns and... That's the story. (laughs) Well, they're also trying to find a nuclear device that's hidden someplace in the universe. Right. And they get their marching orders, shall we say, from another higher up in the department. Right. And that then puts them on this adventure where they have to defend themselves, but they're also searching for this disastrous weapon. Now, there are two kind of bad guys in this film. One is Catherine Zeta-Jones. Her name is Katya. She is a Russian spy. And that, of course, comes into play when the group goes from Paris to London and eventually ends up in Moscow. Unfortunately, when Catherine Zeta-Jones took this role, she forgot to pack her Russian accent. That was a problem. (laughs) Then, of course, there is the wonderful Anthony Hopkins. He plays Dr. Bailey. He has been imprisoned for a long time. He knows all about nuclear bombs and things, so we can't figure out for a while whether he is a good guy or a bad guy, but they're both very interesting to watch. You know, all these actors are interesting to watch. I love to watch John Malkovich do anything because he's always such a creepy personality on screen. (laughs) And in this, he plays the sidekick to Bruce Willis. His character's name is Marvin. But it doesn't matter whether he... He's a good guy or a bad guy. He has the creep factor in his DNA. Definitely. You see it no matter what movie he's in, but he is fascinating. He is fascinating. And Ellen Mirren, you know, she can just stand there. She's a wonderful actress. It's fun to watch them. Mm, However, I guess. let's be honest, this is not a very good movie. It isn't very good. And I want to say, what is it about a sequel that makes me cringe as I'm standing there buying my ticket. Why is it that I just know in my heart that this will be a huge disappointment? When I think back on the great sequels, the one that comes to mind, of course, is Godfather 2, but that was many, many, many years ago. And there are few sequels that can match the original. I mean, it just doesn't work. In this particular case, I think it's rather obvious why. For me, the number one reason is that the gimmick of watching an over 55 set of stars, and I'm saying that to exclude Catherine Zeta-Jones because she's not in that group, and I don't think Mary Louise Parker is, but they're not holding Uzis and guns and weapons and so on. Anyway, that gimmick, as seen in the first version of this movie, 
was fun and interesting and different, and we all kind of got a chuckle out of it. When you see it a second time, you kind of go, oh, my goodness, that joke is over. It is over. You know, I love a good joke. Well, and I-, I don't like a bad joke, Les. I don't know what's the matter with you. <laughs> well, if the good joke is the entire movie, then that's absolutely great. But then you're going to tell it to me again? I think the only sequels that have worked for me ever are the Harry Potter films Mm -hmm. and, of course, the Bond films, which some of them are great and some of them are not so great. Yeah, but the Bond films only had two or three returning characters. Right. Red 2 depends upon the team effort to destroy buildings, cars. I mean, it's a destructive kind of camaraderie that they have. Yes. Where in the Bond movie, it's more fun, it's more playful. That brings up something that I was going to mention too, Les. Sure. I think sometimes when you have team ensemble pictures like this, the most fun that you get out of it is when the cast takes a moment, they kind of take a breath, and they have kind of an easy banter between them. Yes. Thinking of of Ocean's 11, 12, 13, and so on. That's the perfect concept for a sequel because you get to know those characters. They're fun. They're a little bit older, but they joke around and they have an easy rapport with each other. This movie seems to be forced and not very funny. Also, this movie depends upon Bruce Willis. The movie really falls on his shoulders. There is no other character that this team has to answer to. Right. So it just faltered for me because he doesn't have what I thought was a hundred percent commitment. In fact, at times I thought Bruce Willis looked like he was just trying to get through the scene, hoping that his paycheck wasn't going to (laughs) bounce. Also, I think we have to mention Brian Hun Lee, whose antics in this movie I thought were fun. He plays an assassin, but he looks less like one than his comrades in this picture. Right. He has a couple of great scenes He really steals them because he's so vigorous and he's so much fun to watch. I thought the director, Dean Parasat, seemed more interested in working with segues and getting the characters from one locale to the next in a clever way rather than delving into the characters' motivations and giving them any kind of a fresh appeal. Yeah, that's absolutely problematic for me. Certainly with Mirren and Malkovich, I thought, what are they doing here? Why are they involved here? There was just no depth to the writing, to the direction, and frankly, to the acting. So, Yes, I can't wait to hear the light you're going to give them. Well, as I say, it's cute for a little while. So I'm going to give it a flickering yellow light. I didn't think it was the worst movie ever, but it is way far from the best movie. And (laughs) if I sat here and reminded you of the great movies that each of these actors have done, Mm -hmm. you'll be disappointed to go see Red 2. So I'm going to give it a yellow light. Okay, well, this is the kind of film when you want to see middle-aged actors get out of a movie like this and into one like the best exotic marigold hotel. Yes. That's a really classy kind of movie that showcases actors that appeal to the 55-year-old market. So for me, Red 2 was more like retired, extremely dull. (laughs) Not worth the trouble for me. So I'm sorry to say I'm going to give Red 2 a Red light. So sorry. (laughs) All right. So we have a red light and a yellow light for red two. Well, we're going to come back and review another movie for you very, very soon. 
Until that time, my name is Les Roberts. And I'm Ann Elder. Greenlight Reviews is hoping you're going to have a great time the next time we run into you at the movies. Hi, I'm Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts.